and they said at the point in the discussion I said can I see your balance sheet for just four days that's from Tuesday to about Friday can I get your balance sheet your expenditure and then the person brought it out and I said okay, let's look at what you've done we just want to pick just two things how you spend your money <laughs> and I picked just two subject or two objects from the whole of that balance sheet which was food and phone calls and the analysis is the person spent four thousand seven hundred on food and spent about six to seven thousand on phone calls then i told the person god can be angry with you hallelujah did you hear what i said can you see the equation and see how frivolous we can be with our finances. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Is God concerned about your money? The answer can be yes or no. Do you think God is interested in how you spend your money? Is he concerned? Does it bother him at all? How you spend your money? Hallelujah. I love people who can sincerely see truth and walk with it. This individual immediately adjusted. Because I told the person, number one, your phone is not a business phone. So what you spend on your phone within four to five days is enormous, too much, compared to what it will take you to feed your body. So that the temple of God can be strong enough to do the work of God. You are not in business. If I do a business line, fine. We can understand that. And some of us do the same thing. Some of us have our children. They all have handsets. And their money is going in there. How many of you sit down once in a while to consider what you invest in God's kingdom as compared to what you invest in yourself and your phone? The money is just going like that. As you talk, you don't know you are talking money. Hello, I just feel like saying, how are you? That how are you has cut off some expenses from your account. How can you be balanced? And then at the end of the day, you end up saying, God is not faithful. I told the person, can you check if you are to be spending 6000 or 7000 on phone within four days and put that into one week and two weeks and three weeks and then for one month, how much you have spent so far? Just making phone calls. Is God interested in our finances? Now, my subject is dominion through financial prudence. Dominion through financial prudence. Wise spending. Profitable spending. How that God will bring you into a place of dominion. What we lost in Eden was dominion. And virtually everything we engage in today is supposed to bring us back to the place of dominion on the face of the earth. And your finance is one of those factors. Can we turn to the book of Luke chapter 16? Luke 16, are you there? I'm going to be reading from verse 9 to 12. Verse 9 says, And I say unto you, Make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. Mammon also equal riches. He that is faithful, in that which is least is faithful also in much. And in that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, 
Hallelujah. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? Verse 12 now says, And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is yours or your own? Now there are two things I want you to pick from verse 11 and verse number 12. He that faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. By implication, God looks at you and finds that if you are earning even 10,000 and you are faithful in the way you spend it, he can commit 20,000 into your hand. Because you can still be faithful when you begin to earn 20,000. That means your increase financially is directly connected to your faithfulness in how you spend money. You are praying for breakthrough. You are praying to shift to another level. That these are the things you are supposed to do to move to another level. He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in that which is much. So there is no way you're going to convince God to commit to your hand a million when you are not faithful in 100,000. It's not possible. You can't cheat God and you can't bribe God. Hallelujah. Bible says he that proves himself faithful, he God will show himself what? Faithful. I can't remember. Was it last Sunday or the other one we shared about Titan? You know, people still fight it today. You see, there are things you do that ignites your life without anybody knowing. Somebody walked to the office the other Tuesday and said, Pastor, after you shared that message, Sunday began to minister to me. And I think I have to come for repentance. And I just, I don't know how to start all over. Say, because I have a practical experience for myself. I have three machines. The first one I bought... I bought with other people. And the first job I got on that machine, I paid tight on it. And I tagged the first fruits. That machine, I've never gone for servicing. But the remaining two machines I bought, and I did nothing about them, they are always not producing as compared to the first machine. While other people are servicing, they have, might have not been serviced because I did that. I know God is responsible. And because I didn't do it for the remaining two, I am guilty. Can you please pray for me? I said, God help you. Just go free. You have declared yourself a year of jubilee. That which is lost, you shall recover. Are you following what I'm talking about? Some of you are so hardened that it is difficult for God to help you. You are so hardened when it comes to financial matters. But these are the things that bring you. Listen to me. It is the man that has money that has voice. Hallelujah. If just you have been not faithful in that which is least, and listen to me, it's even calling wet the least thing. That means there are greater things that you must attend to. Money is the least as far as your relationship with God is concerned. But you value money more than God. Very unfortunate. He that is not faithful in that which is the least thing, the least thing, as far as God's kingdom is concerned, money is the least thing. Say, how can he be faithful in much? <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, If you have not been faithful in that, no righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. What is the true riches? Colossians 1 27 Christ in you, the hope of glory. He talks about the truth. He talks about the truth of him. And that is talking about the grace that goes with the gospel. That is the true riches. What is the true riches? Is the grace of the gospel. That means the way you spend money connects you to the gospel grace for advancement. The way you spend money is God interested in your money? I want to answer the question by saying, yes, he's so concerned about your money. He's so concerned about how you spend it. He's so concerned about what you spend it for. God is concerned. 
How will you enter into the grace of the gospel when you are not prudent in your spending? How can you? When you can account for every money that comes into your hands. You know what? Titan is a thing that shows that you acknowledge that God is the one that gives you the power to get your wealth. When, when, you see, you know how it works? When you have your money and you say, I want to pay my tithe, you are first acknowledging God. That's just the very beginning. So don't tell me you know God and yet you can't acknowledge Him. I thank God who gave me and yet you don't acknowledge Him. You're telling lies. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Look at verse 12. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? What is your own here? Now, let's, let's define something. Another man's. What does that mean? Two things you, I want you to understand. It means in the first place, money is not your own. It belongs to God. Are you there? Your wealth is not your own. Your money is not your own. It belongs to someone else. And that is God. That's the first place. Your money belongs to God. It's not your money. So God who gave you the money, you, in fact, you are just a steward. God gave you the money so that you can spend it and make life better, if you will, for people and for creation. It's like the gift of the Spirit. It's the same thing. The gift is equally a talent. God gives you the gift for the body, for the sake of the body. So God gives you the money for the sake of the body. It's somebody's own, it's not your own. Your money is not your money. That is why you don't have right to spend it anyhow. You don't. If you know who God is. If you know why you are saved. You don't have right to spend your money the way you are spending it. You walk the street, you look at clothes, anyone that is beautiful, you go for it. Your mind will panting after new fashion. Hmm? But your mind is never panting after God. You want to buy something, do you ask God whether they are needs? Or they are necessities? Or they are just wants? Because some of the things you buy, they are wants and not needs. God will meet your need, He will meet your wants. Your wants are the things you desire, which may not be God's desire for you. Hallelujah. He that is not faithful in another man's own. Number two, it shows our wealth is not stable because currently changes hands. <laughs> you know, the Bible says when wealth increase, set not your eyes on them. Am I correct? He said because they can grow wings like the bird and fly away. And when they fly away, where are they getting to? They are flying to some other person. So, number one, wealth is not your own, it belongs to God. Number two, some other person can receive it and you can become somebody down tomorrow. That is why if you are rich, please, don't look down on anybody. Because wealth belongs to another man. Am I talking to somebody? Listen closely. Pay attention because it's going to help you. I remember one man forgetting his name. He said, you might be a poor man today and become a rich man tomorrow. I may be a rich man tomorrow and become a poor man today. One of those highlight songs in those days. Why? Because wealth belongs to some other person. You may be the richest man now, but somebody coming up tomorrow may be richer than you. He said, you who is unfaithful in that which is another man's own, how can God commit to your hand your own? Hallelujah. Are you there? Praise the Lord. We're talking about the grace and the glory that follows what you should have. The true riches have to do with the grace of the gospel. Your own have to do with... What did you lost in the beginning? Is it money that you lost? You never lost money. What is it that you lost? You lost the glory of God. That is what is actually your own. Are you there with me? And you see, when you come into the place of glory, according to Isaiah 60, 
what the Bible says. The Bible says, Men shall come into the rising of the glory. Do you understand that? Wet shall be committed into your hand because you got glory. So the glory you are supposed to have that connects to wet, you miss because you are not faithful in how you spend your money. You see all things you just buy. Nothing passes your front and you don't admire. <laughs> and you never think about God. You never think about the house of God. You never think about... How many of you... Go read the book of Haggai. He said it is not time here to build the house of God. You are establishing yourself, establishing your kingdom, establishing your business. And God said, because you said that, I put a hole in your pocket. That whatever you earn will drain out. And then you go and casting devils. Who are you casting out there? You are casting out God. Who put the hole in your pocket? You see how foolish you can be. That's why most of prayers can't work. Because sometimes it is God you are praying against and not the one you call devil because it is God that is doing the thing. I will put a hole in your pocket and I will make sure that you are not warm no matter how you try to clothe yourself. You still feel cold. You still be sick. Because you have not considered my house. You have not considered my people. You have not considered why I gave you the money. Therefore, you will be sick. You will not be healed. You will be cold. You will not be warm. And your pocket will never be full. Are you surprised your bank account is in the red? Could it be God is blowing on your bank account? Could it be that's another way of God put a hole in your pocket because of your unfaithfulness financially? I say could it be because I don't know. Hallelujah. Are you still following me? When you go back home, read the book of Haggai. It's so important, the book, to instruct you and to lead you on how God feels about your expenditure. How God feels about the way you carry on with the money that he has given unto you. You don't think about the house of God. You don't think about anything. You think about yourself. You don't think about what God is interested in. You are interested about what you are interested in. God said, I'm with a hole in your pocket. When you earn your money, it goes off. You don't even know how it goes off. Because you are unfaithful in a righteous moment. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Is God interested in your money? Yes, He is. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's see why God is interested in your money. I forgot this, is the, this missionary, but I think we have the. the, the, the the videotape still in the house, I'm sure. I forgot the name, Laurie Cunningham. Fine. This guy went in for the missionary and then he bought a coat as a missionary. He wanted to look neat, he wanted to look fine. In the night, God woke him up and said, Hey, come here. Who asked you to use my money to buy a coat? He's a missionary, he wanted to look nice. Hallelujah. Because I never asked you to buy, buy yourself a coat. You didn't ask me. If you are a missionary, you are working for me. And so if money comes to you, you should ask me what to use this for. You went to buy a coat. Who told you to buy a coat with my money? Listen, the trouble is so many of us don't hear from God. We are not hearing from God. That is the greatest problem that we are facing. As believers... We don't hear from God. We are not hearing from God. We do things the way we want to do it because God is not even communicating with us. And you know it's a painful thing that God is not talking to you. That any action you take, you don't see reproach, you don't see reprimand, you don't see an answer to it. Anything you do, you are free. You, and then you are happy. You should mourn. You should cry. God, why are you not interested in my life? No matter how much I spend, you don't question me. You should mourn. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We are not hearing from God. It's painful. You take decisions that you want to take. <laughs> we got a letter. I was speaking to Maxwell and I was having a problem. We got a letter. Somebody inviting us in South Africa to go do a meeting. 
start off a walk for them and things like that. So I was just looking at this lady. Anytime I'm driving, I put the cup in my car. Looking at it, looking at it, I was wondering, should I go? That was a thought in my heart. Should I go or not? And this night, God just, oh, I was just talking to him in the office. I said, you got to go there. Great things are going to happen in that place. I'm going with all assurance that God sent me there. Not because man wrote me a letter. It was the same thing before we got connected to Munin. We got a call. I was dropping high in the school that day. And somebody called me from Oyo and said, we need you to come and teach on the kingdom. There's a conference going on. I didn't know that Munin was going to be there. That's how I went out. But I told the person, I said, well, I will come, but I will just give me time. That night, I find myself preaching to a Calabar man. And I woke up and I said, if I should be preaching to a Calabar man, God wants me to go to you. And that is how South Africa opened. Are you hearing from God in the things you do? See, the key to you being a child of God is my sheep hear my voice. You spend your money, you don't hear anything about God. God doesn't talk to you and you are happy. You should cry. He that is unfaithful in that which is least. Say, how can God commit that which is great into your hand? You're missing so much in God's grace because of your faithfulness financially. Hallelujah. Are we there in Deuteronomy? Let's start from verse 11. Beware that I forget the, not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandment and his judgment and his status which are commanded this day, lest when thou hast eaten and hast full and hast become godly houses and built godly houses and, and, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and gold is multiplied, and all that thou have is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forgot the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Hallelujah. How many of us have been crying or cried to God before we came to the Lord? We're all in bondage, one form of bondage or the other, before we're set free by the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at verse 15. Who led thee through the great, that great and terrible wilderness? Wherein we are fiery serpents and scorpions and brought thee, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, are you there? Which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, listen to this, my power and the might of my hand hath got him in this world. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth the power to do what? To get words that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. Can you see why God is interested in your money? He's the one that gave you power to get words. See, the fact that you are rich today doesn't mean you are the hard most hardest working human being. Am I talking to you? That you have money now doesn't mean that you are the best man when it comes to that profession. But God has infused within you some abilities and understanding and wisdom to do what you are doing and the money begins to come because money responds to wisdom. That's why Solomon was the richest man, not because he was the best of all kings, but he asked God for wisdom, and that guy became a multiple merchant. Was selling horses and chariots and worship. I mean, timbering. Think about it. Solomon was a great businessman. That's why he was the wealthiest man on the face of the earth, because he asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. That is the power to get words, not your strength. Say, don't lift up your heart and say, well, it is because of my strength. That is why I'm this rich. No, it is God that gives the power to get wealth. And that is the reason why he's interested in your money. There are so many people from your villages and towns who cannot even eat as much as you are doing. Who can drive the kind of cars you are driving. You are not the best of the people. God made you the best of the people. He picked you from among the people. I want to showcase you that if you come unto me, this is who we are going to be. Is he that giveth the power to get words? 
That's why he's interested in what you do with the wealth he gave to you. Can you see why he's interested in your money? And he said, after I've given you this money, you are not faithful. How can I increase you? I would rather cause this thing to fly out to some other person. He said, when wealth increase, set your eyes not on them. Because they can grow wings and fly. So how do you maintain your wealth? Is to consider what God has done and be faithful in doing what God wants you to do. That's how you maintain your money. That's how you stabilize your money. That's the best way to bank. Your financial security is sowing into God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Now look at what he said. He said, I may establish a covenant that I swore unto your fathers. I told you here the other time, God doesn't make covenant with children. He makes covenant with fathers and establish a covenant with children. Is that okay? You know what it means to establish? The Hebrew word means to rise. It means to lift up. It means to confirm. It means to succeed. Listen, you are succeeding because you are connected to Abraham. And one of the reasons and ways by which you can connect back to Abraham is to tithe. Because Abraham was a tither. Are you there with me? Come on, I'm not talking to somebody. This may be hard, but this is true financial deliverance. Is that okay? It means to lift. That means God will lift you because of the covenant he made with your fathers. Because you consider the father is the one that gave you power to get wealth. He will lift you. He will cause you to rise. He will cause you to succeed. He will confirm. He will establish it. Oh, come on now. Listen to what he told Abraham. Say, look, your people might be in bondage for this 400 years, but they are going to come out with great riches. And when they begin to come, I say, you now begin to increase because I swore that to your father that when you come out of bondage, you are going to increase. Let me establish that covenant. And in so doing, I'm going to do something in your life which is called power. And that power speaks for capacity and ability to do things. You see why you're selling your business? Because there's a kind of capacity and ability God has deposited in your life. That is the power. This is not just dynamics. This is capacity and ability to do things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you're selling God has deposited this in your life so that he may establish or confirm or lift you because he swore to your fathers and go to make your children great when they come out of bondage. That shows that if we really come to the church and we believe and we do what God intends us to do, we are supposed to be great people. Are you there with me? We are supposed to be great people. If we truly do what God intends us to do, if we can stand in principles and practice what God intends us to practice, we ought to be great people. We ought to be people to be envied. You know the word blessed means that which is to be envied. Blessed are thou means you are qualified to be envied by other people. That is what the word blessed means. So if I say you are blessed, I'm saying grow to the point of being envied by people. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying now? <laughs> you need to check out some of these words. They are not callously to be used. You got to find out the true meaning of those things so that when somebody says them to you, you will know what it means. For instance, when we close fellowship, we say, may the Lord be with your spirit. It's not a callous statement. Because your spirit begins to grow in the Lord. There's a fire burning in the spirit. There's a communion in your spirit. If you flow into your soul realm, and your thinking, your mind, your intellect will begin to be activated. And things will begin to happen to you. So we say, may the Lord be with your spirit. We are praying, God, abide with this man's spirit. Hallelujah. That I may establish a covenant. Now let's look at very quickly a few things because of the CDs or whatever. Whew. Listen, every one of you has a gift. That means every one of you has capacity and ability. Because Ephesians 4 8, the Bible says, When he rose, he led captivities captives and gave gifts unto men. Not just a fivefold ministry, but every one of you is gifted in the body of Christ to be able to do something specially and uniquely 
And that is part of the power God has deposited in your life. He led captivities captive. The Bible said they came out of Egypt in the New Testament. We're also in Egypt in the world. And then he led us out of the world, brought us to himself. And what did he do? There are some things he deposited in our lives. And Second Corinthians, we say we have this treasure in earthen vessel. That the excellency of the glory may be of God and not of man. Maybe we need to talk about that next week. Shared out a few weeks, I mean, few, few, few days ago with some of these good brethren. You must understand that there's a deposit in your life. That word treasure there means words. So we have this treasure in eighteen verse. What he's saying is, you're a deposit of God in your life that you are supposed to be exercising. That's why God is interested in your words, He's concerned about your money. Don't let your money fly from your hand by careless spending. Be prudent. Have an account of a balance sheet where you put your record of how you spend your money. And put God at the top. Because it is He that gives the power to get wealth. Mighty 25. Turn with me there. Hallelujah. Mighty 25. Let's start reading from verse 14. Bible says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who call his own servant and deliver unto them his goods. His goods means his words. And this is simply the picture of Jesus as it were getting into the resurrection. But remember, when he lifted up, he gave gift unto men. Is that okay? Are you there? Right. So he said, the kingdom of God which we are is like a man traveling to a far country and call his servant who are supposed to be steward now and deliver to them his good. Mighty 25 from verse 14. Are you there with me? Okay. Are you catching this? What the goods there means his words. So every one of you has a deposit from God. Is that alright? Okay. And also one he gave five talents to another two and to another one. For everyone, according to his several ability, listen to me, God knows what you can handle. Is that alright? He knows what you can handle. He knows how far you can go. God may call pastors, but you know your boundaries. There are measures, there are places he says, you cannot cross. Because he knows you will not be effective if you cross from that boundary. Are you there with me? Listen. The fact that you are a pastor doesn't mean you have to build an investor like you depot. That is a capacity. That is an ability. You don't have to contend with him. Because if you try, yours will collapse. Because there are boundaries. Paul said we don't compare ourselves with one another. So we measure ourselves by this fair of operation. There is a delineation God has put in place for each and every one of us to operate in. We are not supposed to cross our delineations, our boundaries. He gave the talent according to the several ability. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you cannot handle. So some of you, because of your ability, he can't give you more than a million. You better pray now. Because of the way you handle money, you will not be able to see two million correct in your account before you die. Because you're careless. I just mean what I'm saying. You can't see it. And I'm going to make you see why you can't see. You can't say, say my account is reading two million correct. Some of you may not be able to attend to it, though you are Christians. Because of the way you live, no prudence in spending. Hallelujah. Look at that. Verse 16. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. What did he do with it? He traded. Means he multiplied it. He squared it out. Five for five. And why? Because he's interested and is committed to the man that gave him the talent. He walked with it. Hallelujah. 
Likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. Now, get this right. When the man returns, what will he get out of what he gave to them? He's going to get five from the one he gave five. He's going to get two from the one he gave two. Are you there with me? It is the interest that is his own. That is the profit. <laughs> you can become unprofitable to God. When God, in, I mean, look into your life, check into your account. He has nothing for himself. You become unprofitable. Yet he gave you ability to multiply what is in your life. To make money. I'm not talking about just giftings. I'm talking about money. Come on, help me. Somebody help me say cash. Yes, I'm talking about cash. Real money. Are you there? Good, good money. God wants you to handle good money. Foreign currency. Are you there with me? We're just talking about Zimbabwe money now. Will you like to go and open an account in Zimbabwe? That is carrying newspaper. Newspaper prints. Eh? But you see, you can so work faithfully that you open a domiciliary account in Nigeria where dollars can be paid in. And take only $100 to the market. Now you get $15,000. Just $100. Now you get $15,000 for your cash. $100, $15,000. Can you imagine that? If you had some good dollars in your account and things are too bad, what do you need to do? Just go pull out some few dollars and then give it to the Nigeria market and then you, you'll be going with a sack. But because of our unfaithfulness, God cannot commit even domiciliary account for us to be open. It can't be open for some of you. Because the Nara is said, you are not faithful in not talk of being faithful in dollar. How can that be? You use a dollar to give offering? It's serious. You'll be thinking about the equivalent. How can I give $100 an offering? Ah, that's 15000 for one offering. No. But that's it. But you forgot that when you give that offering, God will still multiply the dollar. He doesn't multiply it to you in error. It is what you sow that you reap. You sow naira, you reap naira. You sow dollar, you reap. God is so faithful to those who are faithful. Hallelujah. Where are we now? Verse 17. Okay, verse 18. But he that received one went, he that received one went, and digged in the earth, and he this lost money. See? Whose money? Fine, that's what I want you to understand. The lost money is not your own. That's why God is interested in your money. It's not your own. And he went and hid the lost money somewhere. And when the Lord came, so boy, what did you do with the money I give you? What is the exchange rate now in the market? He said, nothing came in, sir. Because I knew I lost him, man. You reap where you don't sow. Can you imagine some of you insulting God? Your attitude is an insult to God. When you are not productive, you are saying, God, you are lost him, man. When somebody is on stay, mean is mean. <laughs> it's too detailed about we give out. He doesn't want you to fool around with his resources. He said, I know who you are. You are hard. So I decided to dig it. That way you come and give it back to you the way you gave it to me. Let's get the answer to what he said to that man. Hallelujah. <laughs> so verse 15 says, 6, 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants comment and reconnect with them and so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying lord that delivered unto me five talents behold i have gained beside them five talents more his lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant that have been faithful over a few things i will make the ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the lord and he said the joy of the lord there you are. Now you can understand why you don't have the strength of the law. Because there is no commission and no commandment for you to enter into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord means the banqueting in God's kingdom. The feasting in God's kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying here? Hallelujah. 
Amen. He said, entering into the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to make you ruler. So dominion comes by you being faithful to your finances. The man that rules is the man that is in power. He's the man that is in authority. I'll make you ruler. By implication, you are going to join with me to rule. This is where the Bible says we shall be joined as with Christ. We shall reign with him. This is one of the key factors that will make us to reign with Christ. When we are faithful in our finances. Hallelujah. You see that? I'll make you ruler over many things. Because you have been faithful over few things. Just little things. Gave you five talents, money. And then you multiplied it. You are faithful to bring reward, interest to me, as it were. I'm going to increase you. This is the true meaning of moving to the next level that people are talking about. You together? This is a shift from being just being faithful to becoming a ruler. Over many things, not few things anymore. This is where you begin to have dominion, authority over many things. Some of your cries in terms of prayer can be easily answered when you are faithful financially. Because you only speak and it is done. The Bible said they shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. Not crying overnight for one simple problem. No. Make you ruler. When God makes you a ruler, you command respect, you command authority. When you speak, earth and heaven will respond. I make you ruler because you are faithful in finance. Money. Hallelujah. Verse 22. He also that have received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliver unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. I will make the ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It means... <laughs> I want to repeat, singing will not bring the joy because you see, you get so happy in church after singing, when you get home, you are in sorrow. Huh? Hallelujah. Are you there with me? But when God says, enter into it, that means a door to joy is opened. We are talking of an entrance to the realm of joy, unspeakable, that no man can take away from you, not even circumstance. Entering into the joy of the Lord. Get into the banqueting system. Faced with Abraham was faithful unto God. Because you are faithful in little. You are faithful in little. When I spoke about Titan, remember, I was telling you of those guys who started Titan at the age of eight. How many of your children pay tithes? No, talk to me. Do you even inculcate that idea into them that there is something called faithfulness in Titan, no matter how small you are? At the age of eight, he started Titan. You will say, Oh, Pastor, that cannot be. But you want your child to rule like Isaiah at the age of eight. No, but that, that, that's how deceptive we can be. How old was Isaiah when he started? Young men came into throne. But young men today can't tight. They have money to buy CDs of three-phase, four-phase, P-square, hip-hip-hop. But you can think about tithing in the house of God. Check your children's volume. Check what they after. Check their wardrobe. Check what they have. How did they get these things? You are responsible. But you never told them there is a place of being faithful to God so that they can secure their future. That you are rich today doesn't mean your future, the children's future, are going to be rich. Haven't you seen rich men in this country by the time they pass on their children and nowhere to be found? Because they never establish a foundation for themselves. One of our president, good president that never ruled in this country, was so wealthy. You know the president that never ruled. Huh? Are looking at me like that? All of you casted vote then. Amen? The president I never ruled. Was so wealthy and rich. Today you can't even hear anything about him. A man that had flight. Plane for himself in this country. 
aircraft in this country running, eh? newspapers, name it. The children didn't have a foundation to be able to hold on to those words and multiply it. So there is no guarantee that if you are rich now, your children will be rich tomorrow. Except they lay foundation for themselves through biblical principles. Hallelujah. Children don't know how to give offering. They don't know how to tithe. You teach them to choose chewing gum from the one. Chewing gum. Many times they cry, it's chewing gum. I don't know how you could be talking. Any time they cry, it's chewing gum. Maybe because you chew too. Your mouth is never stopped. It's always walking like a like cow that is chewing the gum. Hallelujah. Can we proceed? <laughs> I will make the rule over many things. That means an active sharing with Christ in his reign. Okay? Verse 24. Then he which have received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know. I know thee that thou art a hard man. <laughs> Reaping where thou hast not sown. And gathering where thou hast not trod. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine this? This poor man is sorting the father. Hey. And I was afraid and I went and hid the talent on the head. Lo. That he has no doubt is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slowful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strayed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers or the bankers, and then at my coming I shall receive my own with interest. Since you know, uh, you see, you, you, it's like he was teaching the Lord. He said, I know you reap where you don't sow. Ah. So the Lord said, since you know that, then you should like just put this money in the bank. So that it will yield interest. Now that I come, you give me the interest. Since you know, I will reap where I don't sow. He thought he was wise. And that is the way we behave. We think we are wiser than God. Let's, let's see this guy on reward. And I pray that will not be your own reward as well. Hallelujah. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. He didn't even take the five that was multiplied. He gave it back to the man so that let him go and invest again. He said, now take this one out to him. That means this guy is now going to go to the market with what? Eleven talents. You see why some of you cannot increase in life? Because even that which you have is taken from you and given to the man who can make use of it. When you're not prudent financially, God takes the little you have and give. God wants multiplication on the earth. He wants everything that he gives how to multiply. So he takes from you and gives it to the man who can make use of it. So your poverty life is not the devil, my friend. It's your inability to multiply what God has given to you. Is that okay? Come on, am I talking to somebody? In the natural, how many of you want to take your money? When you look at the banks, there are some banks called Unity Bank, uh, Zenit Bank, and so on and so forth. If you had money, where will you take it to? Afri Bank? You'll be looking at Zenit Bank. You'll be looking at eh? GTB. You're looking at very top, strong bankers. Am I talking to somebody? They have money, but that's where you still want to put your own. It is natural that he that have will receive more. So if you want increase, you must work on the ability and the talent God has given to you. But even that which you have shall be taken from you and given to the man that can make use of it. Unfaithfulness. Financial unfaithfulness is a dangerous thing. Hallelujah. Verse 29. For everyone that heart shall be given... And he shall have abundance, but for him that had not shall be taken away even that which he had. Am I the one that said it? No. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. You see the reward for unfaithfulness? You know what he's trying to talk, talk about? It means the hardship will increase, man. Huh? Gnashing of teeth, outer darkness, no light. It means you are not going to be part of God's kingdom. 
according to Revelation 22, I mean, verse 15, it talks about those who are on the outside, outside the crowd, outside the city. That is where there is gnashing of teeth and wailing and weeping. It's a realm of darkness. Remember the Bible says we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. But now from this kingdom, we are cast back because of financial unfaithfulness. Where you have been delivered from, you are going back there. Just because God tried you here and you can't prove it. You see what I'm saying? We were delivered from darkness, from the power of darkness, and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, because of your financial unfaithfulness, they command you to send him back. So some of you will go to hell, not because you did pray well, but because you didn't handle money well. <laughs> it's serious. You are going back to a realm of gnashing of teeth and outer darkness because of your stinginess to minister to the Lord and to multiply what has been given unto you. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Is your opening to anything here? Can you meditate a little while, little while and see where you are? Where do you belong among this class of people? Because you see, God will always tell you ahead of time where you are going to go. He will tell you, when he gave these laws, he will prove to you what will be your lot based on your attitude, your activity, and your behavior towards money. Are you following what I'm talking about? It's serious, my brother, that we reconsider our stand. Who owns your money? I answer again, it belongs to God. So how do you use your money determines how God treats you. Because to him, the way you are using your money also determines how you treat him. Are you there with me? If you acknowledge him as the Lord, he treats you as a faithful servant. But if you acknowledge him as a hard man, who likes reaping where he doesn't sow, you will end up in outer darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. You can be delivered by reconsidering your stand about financial matters. May you not be too stingy, too hard when it comes to doing the things of the Lord. Because the power to get wet, the capacity and ability to get wet, the distribution, which is severally, even within his body, comes through the Lord. You were not born with money. You came here and you made money. God gave you grace to make money. And he knows why you should make that money. So there's a grace in the gospel. And there's a grace for God's glory when you're faithful financially. The Lord bless your spirit.